Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Oh, it's so nice to be live in studio again. This is so exciting. I had a little bit of a break. Everybody needs a little bit of a break for sanity reasons. So, but it's great to be back. Good, uh, good morning, everybody. Happy weekend. Um, I'm going to talk this morning with Lisa Silva, who's been on the show several times. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Lisa is with Gallagher Benefit Services. Um, uh, you can find out more about them at AJG.com, which formerly, I guess, Arthur J. Gallagher, now going by Gallagher. Gall- yep. Um, and Lisa's been on the show with me several times, and, and we're talking about... Um, today, we're going to talk one of the biggest risks to your financial plan. How about that? That is, yes. I was trying to think That's of accurate, a, a, yes. a, 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 a good marketing uh, or a good title for the show. But really what we're talking about is, we're, we're going to talk about insurance in general to start the show, but I wanted to get into some specifics about long-term care insurance. And, and as I was thinking about um, getting ready for the show, when I was getting ready last night for the show this morning, I was kind of thinking about, like in my experience, um, talking about the cost of long-term care and this insurance in particular, it's not a conversation that a lot of people want to have. I'm not getting a lot of clients that are asking me these questions. It's more me 
um, you know, sitting them down and asking about, you know, what's your plan right. for this potentially large expense that is um, living a long life and, and needing help and assistance. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, and I explained to them that this is a big risk and it's, it, it, you know, I can put together um, what looks to be quite a successful retirement plan for people, but it, this is a huge risk to that. Correct. Right. And so, um, you know, it's my responsibility as a financial advisor to, to bring this up as, hey, your financial plan looks great, but there's this potential of, you know, a, a potentially large expense in your future related to just living a long life, but not being able to do everything for, for yourself. yourself. Correct. Yes. Um, and and <clears throat> like I said, not a lot of, unless they've had a personal experience. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Right. So, you, I, you know, I get the people who unfortunately are like what we call in the vice position where they have children that are in college, but yeah. all of a sudden their parents are ill as well. So yeah. they're getting hit from both ends, yeah. if, you, if you will, um, and with the challenge of trying to, how do I help my parents navigate through this? And then once they see the the trauma that that causes, yeah. they, they're interested in looking at the coverage for themselves to, yeah. to kind of mitigate that future risk. Those are the only people that are really asking the questions, but they've seen firsthand, of course, how expensive it can be. Correct, yeah. And not only that, but how much work it is and, you know, maybe just stress, emotional stress, um, if you're doing it yourself or your family is providing the care and it takes, it's, Correct. it's, it's, it's told, a lot of yeah, time. Caregiver, it's caregivers suffer, it's, it's interesting, they suffer high rates of depression um, oh. and actually physical um, ailments as well. Oh. It, it's difficult to be a caregiver. So, you yeah. know, people think it's, it's, I can do everything at home, it's fine, it's fine. And we see it a lot of times, like if a husband comes sick, the mom will, will stay and take care of the husband, but, you know, she may not be physically strong enough to do so and is putting yeah. that extra toll on her body. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it can be a full-time job. Oh, 100%. R- right? And it can and and it's sometimes goes on for a long time and can be a financial stress on the caregiver and like you said physical stress and all those things. So, um when I was so anyway, I I started thinking about the other types of insurances that are out there in the world and sort of comparing and contrasting them with long-term care insurance. And I guess the reason my mind was going there is like there's these other types of insurances, and I kind of want to go through a few of them, that people that are very common and that people really recognize the need for. They understand right. it. They can, I don't know if they can relate to it or they can relate to the risk associated with it. Yeah, some of them are black and white. Yeah. Right, and they're easier to understand. Yeah, and then I kind of wanted to segue into, okay, but then there's long-term care, which for whatever reasons seems to be a little bit different. And I guess we'll talk about the reasons. You and yeah. I know the reasons, but um, like, so, so take life insurance, for example. Um, this, is a, this is an insurance product that, Nobody really argues that they don't need. A lot of people recognize the need for that. Even if they don't have a group policy through their employer, a lot of people recognize the need for life insurance, right? That's protecting against a premature death. Right. It's actually just, it's almost, we we jokingly call it like a letter of love. It's actually Mm. sending the, the last goodbye to the people that you loved that, hey, I loved you enough. Mm. to want to make sure that you were financially stable. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I've never heard yeah. it explained like that. But it's like, yeah, it, it, it's especially for people that have, well, for anyone that has a financial dependent, right? Whether Correct. it's a spouse and he or she would still have a mortgage or whether right. you have young kids, kids and they can't, you know, they don't have earnings ability. They can't right. take care of themselves financially. It's very it, easy to understand what life insurance covers. Right. And we see a lot of um, younger individuals or uh, kids or 
young adults um, yeah. that are not getting married anymore, but yet they're cohabitating. So they're buying property or real estate mm. together. And they sometimes need to be educated that, you know, you're still on the hook for 50% of that mortgage if your spouse, you know, or your significant other yeah. passes away. You're now responsible for 100% of it because you're both on that deed. Oh, fair point. Right. So that's, a, that's kind of a new angle that we're having to educate people on. Yeah. So life insurance is something that no one ever really says. It's not often that someone says, oh, I don't need that, right? They understand that risk, right? Yeah. I mean, older people will get to a point where they're successful enough in life that they can self-insure yep. or that their dependents are grown and yep. they have no need for like income replacement because they may have saved enough for retirement. Right. But yes, you're right. correct. We For mi- risk mitigation purposes... It, Most people need it. Yeah, yeah young people, form. people with large amounts of debt and not a lot of assets yet, people with young kids, families, et cetera. So if we think about life insurance for a, for a moment, there's you and I know there's different types and I don't yes. want to get into all the nitty gritties today, but there is a type of life insurance called term, correct, which is very popular and very inexpensive. Correct. It's you, actually yeah, the most popular um, because what it does, I liken it to difference between like renting and owning a home. Term insurance is like renting an apartment. You mm-hmm. get it for a specific period of time. You don't build any equity into it. But as long as you pay your rent or you pay your premiums for that term insurance, you have coverage. Yeah. And it lasts 10, 20, or 30 years. Okay. And so I think that one of the reasons that well, people, number one, rec- easy for them to recognize that the need for life insurance. But number two, it gener- for a lot of people, it can be inexpensive if you're yes. healthy enough to qualify and Correct. relatively young and, and you're looking at a term policy. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, oh, I can pay 50 yeah. bucks a month for a million dollars or half a million dollars of coverage. And so it's that that's an easier sale, I guess, or it, I yeah. shouldn't, I shouldn't say it like, you know, well, again, there's but, an increased awareness of the need. Yeah. So when you're figuring out, you know, your risk and reward, I know I probably need this and yeah, 50 bucks a month. So I don't get coffee a few times right. during the month. That's right. Fine. Right. So life insurance, very easy insurance to understand and generally to purchase and find something that works in your budget. Correct. Um, let's talk about homeowners and auto for a minute, a little bit of a different animal. But first of all, homeowners and auto are mandatory, Correct. right? You, you yeah. have to have those insurances. So no one's arguing really about, about those insurances. But I also think, especially for homeowners and flood insurance, for example, um, well, homeowners in particular, but very also easy to recognize the need for that. Here I have this half a million dollar asset or this million dollar asset or more. Correct. And if there was a fire or, um, you know, I guess I don't know if I can talk about flood, if flood, you have flood yeah. insurance, but um, if there is a disaster, you want to protect the value of that asset, Correct. right? So yeah. I think, again, pretty easy to recognize the need to cover that disaster scenario, which is kind of like life insurance. You're covering that disaster risk, scenario right. of, a, risk. of a premature yeah. death. Um, homeowners and auto, though, are, are, of course, they're mandatory. So it's, again... Yeah, people don't question them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I need that. Okay. Yeah. Um, disability is the like the last type of insurance that um, I'm sort of putting in this category of it's pretty un, it's pretty easy to understand the need for it that's not a very popular insurance correct right? I think well I think it's often a very misunderstood insurance I think um, from a perspective of what should be popular it should be extremely popular mm. but I think the fact that most employers and and this isn't to say it's not unpopular but most employers provide some type of disability coverage because um, 
for everybody out there, disability insurance protects your income. So if you are unable to perform the material duties of your occupation, mm-hmm. they will pay you a monthly benefit, typically equal to like 60% of your income yeah. up to a monthly maximum, whether it be five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 per month. Okay. So. so it's like payroll insurance or uh, I've heard it well, called like yeah. you're, income replacement insurance. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're insuring against um, your inability to work, your, your inability to work. So it's, it's relatively common because like you said, larger employers generally are offering this as a benefit and Correct. can be pretty reasonably priced to um, some employers are covering the cost of that benefit or can, you know, it's can be reasonably priced to buy a group policy. Disability insurance as a standalone, you and I know for someone to just go out and buy it is not all that common. It's, it's, it's Well, it's not an easy process either because it requires full medical underwriting. Mm. And unlike life insurance, which is very black and white with disability insurance, underwriters are looking at thing and are looking at you know, mental health issues and how do you define mm. that and how do you oh, prove or disprove a mental illness as well as like uh, musculoskeletal. Those are the two main uh, areas of claim. So if you have oh. back pain, the proverbial back pain, right? Oh. How do you disprove that someone, you know, isn't making up back pain uh, because there's no way to prove that per se. Oh, I see. Um, so there are so many different gamuts that they're looking at because they're not basing their risk assessment on mortality, they're basing it on morbidity. So it's a Mm. much broader scope of um, things that may not affect your ability to get life insurance, but most certainly would affect your ability to get disability insurance. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I I kind of think disability is an, disability insurance is an, I guess I kind of think it's easy to understand, but but similar to long-term care insurance, it's not often that people would pursue that on their own because it's kind of like, it's hard for people that are healthy to imagine inability to work, to work right? To, it's, it's hard for them to imagine that this would happen to me and that X, Y, or Z would happen to me and I wouldn't be able to work for a period of time. Right. I think it's just... It, it, yes, yeah, so it's yeah. a big thing to wrap your brain around, but ironically, it's four times more likely that you would become disabled than die prior to age 65. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I knew that there were higher statistics yeah. on that. and And, and uh, that that's the reason that also disability insurance, if you go to price it out on your own and purchase it as a standalone, it's more expensive than, relatively speaking, than like a life insurance policy. Oh, remarkably more expensive. Because it's much more common that you would need it. Correct. Right? And disability. And and also the potential for the benefit could be remarkably higher. So Mm. if I'm 30 years old and I go out on disability and I'm deemed that I could never return to work, I'm getting my monthly benefit. Let's just say, for example, it's 10,000. I'm getting $10,000 a month for 12 months Mm. a year times 30 years. Right. And if you have a policy that goes to age 60. Right. So, So on that note, if you put yourself... Think about being the insurance company for a minute, right? We always talk about, we talk with the consumer all, all the time, but think about if you're an insurance company, the way that you're pricing your insurance products is such that, um, to, to really simplify it, right? Uh-huh. I'm going to, for, for if there's a risk or if, let me, let me say that differently. If someone's applying for life insurance and they're 30 years old and healthy, and it's a term insurance policy that they're only gonna have until they're age 60, for example, like a 30 year term, for example. The insurance company is looking at that applicant and thinking, there's a pretty slim chance that this person is going to need this million dollars of life insurance, right? So that's a low risk. So they can then price that policy um, pretty inexpensively because it's a low risk to them. Correct. Right. Yes. So insurance companies are 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 assessing risk, and and the risks that they think are low, they're going to be priced accordingly and less expensive. Correct. And the risks that they think are higher, like someone applies for 
um, a 10-year term life insurance policy and they're 75. Correct. Right? And they and they smoke. I don't even know if you can get a policy like that <laughs> if you're 75 and you smoke. But, um, but that is a higher risk and Correct. so would be priced accordingly. Correct. Right? So, yes. so I, I don't know if that was... Um, uh, I don't. I just don't know if people really think of it in that regard, right? Right. And a lot of times, I have to have the conversation. You know, where people sometimes get upset. They're saying, "Hey, well, why didn't I get the preferred best rate? My doctor says I'm in great shape." Mm. And what I, I I have to explain is that the underwriters for the life insurance only have one chance to look at you, meaning they see your file on their desk mm-hmm. and they see all of your medical history mm-hmm. and they're saying, okay, what are the odds that this is going to happen or that, you know, I know we didn't go for a follow-up checkup for a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Could that potentially be something, you know, oh, he's, okay. you know, so they look at a, a one file and they have one chance to make their best guess and assess the risk assessment for that file. Yeah. Unlike your doctor who's going to see you probably every year and you can adjust things accordingly. Or if, or if something one mm. day you don't feel well, you could go to the doctor and make some adjustments. Yeah. You can't adjust the life insurance policy once it's issued. Right, right. And they have to, they're pricing at risk. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it, I have worked with people or had discussions with clients about, you know, maybe they're interested in long-term care, for example, and then they get the offer back from the insurance company and they're, um, I don't know, hurt, hurt by it yeah. or, or it's they're- very personal. It's very personal, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. And this, nobody wants to be told that they're not a preferred risk or right. that, you know, they're not perfect. Right. Yeah. Same thing, it's very I guess, difficult. same thing with life insurance. Oh, 100%. You know, I've had clients get yeah. very angry at me and I, you know, I'm just, unfortunately, the conveyor of information. Yeah. But yeah. You're right. It's It's- you take it really personally when you're not like, oh, I'm not ultra preferred, and you know, I'm only ten pounds overweight. I'm only a preferred category, right, right. or something like that. Yeah, sure. but it is it is very personal. Um, but I just wanted to sort of explain, you know, from the insurance company's perspective, how they think about pricing policies and how they think about risk. Because if we compare again disability insurance, which is that income protection, correct. Um, like you said, it's much more likely that someone that a working that someone in their working years would be unable to work for a period of time. Correct. Much more likely that that would happen, and it doesn't have to be they're disabled forever. It doesn't have Correct. to be that they're physically disabled forever. It could just be a period of time where they can't perform their job. Correct. It's much more likely that that will happen than someone like you said would die before age sixty. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so, and so that's the reason that disability, for example, is much, it, I, I guess I would say, well, it's hard to compare because it's like comparing apples to oranges, but it's a more costly insurance because you're more likely to need to it. To need it. Correct. Um, and isn't it interesting that you and I know that the, that the insurance policies that people are more likely to need, they're not wanting to buy. A hundred percent. Because they're more expensive. Because they're more expensive. And so that, and I would, and so disability insurance and long-term care insurance, like you and I know, we've looked at the statistics and and we've had personal experiences with clients, but you're much more likely to use a disability insurance policy or a long-term care policy as you get older than you are to use like a a term term life life insurance. insurance. Well, again, yeah, that even goes back to the, we go back to the differences of insurance. Term insurance is very inexpensive because the percentage of claims that are paid out is relatively small yeah. within the insurance industry. So it's less than 1%. So you think yeah. about all the people out there, which is, you know, probably 80% of all people buying insurance. I'm just kind of randomly picking that number. Yeah. Are buying term insurance, I would say. Yeah. And that in essence is almost free money because You're right. less than 1% are filing claims. Now, granted, right. when a claim is filed, it's usually a large claim, unfortunately, right. you know, and, right. and they do um, <clears throat> appreciate some risk on that. But 
the whole life insurance, which is, or permanent insurance, yeah. so there's whole life, universal life variable, there's all these yeah. different types of permanent insurance products. The reason they're priced remarkably more expensive is because they are to set to last the lifetime of yeah. the insured. So the insurance company knows that they're going, they're going to have to, to pay, pay out. Yeah. So they can charge 10 times more for it because they are definitively on the hook for that risk. Yeah, and that's kind of like long-term care insurance where the insurance company is assuming that they're going, there's a high probability that they're going to have to pay out on a claim. I don't actually don't know the statistics on what percentage of long-term care policies are used, right. but it's pretty high. It's remarkably higher than they anticipated. So if we yeah. go back to look at when long-term care insurance first came out, it was very competitively priced mm -hmm. because the actuaries who priced the product made some really bad assumptions. Mm. Um, they definitely underestimated utilization. Yeah. So, And they assumed certain people would drop policies as they got right. older and that didn't happen. Yeah. There's right? something and called a persistency ratio in insurance okay. and that's the, the number of people that keep their policies year over year versus okay. the people that they allow it to lapse. Mm. Um, and you know, when looking at life insurance, it's like 7% is the industry norm for people allowing their life insurance policies to lapse. Okay. For this, it was again, less than 1%. So that's mm. a high differential when you're looking at how to price an insurance product. Yeah. So let's talk about, we just have a few minutes before we'll take a break and then we'll kind of segue into some specifics about long-term care. But the way that I try to explain when, when I bring up this concept of, or, or this discussion of, of the, the large, potentially large cost of long-term care services in someone's future as you get, as you get older. Um, and then I sort of segue into, well, there is insurance to cover this, right? right. And, and everyone has heard long-term care insurance is expensive. Everyone has heard that. Well, isn't it expensive? And and I and I could I really need like thirty minutes to answer that question, yeah. but I kind of very quickly say, Yes, but let's talk about why it's expensive. Right. Right. So yes, it's more expensive than, for example, a term life insurance policy for a million dollars. Um, but here are the reasons why. And so like we were just talking about, it's it's quite likely that it for, so for the people taking out long-term care insurance policies, it's quite likely that they will use them. So it's a high risk to the insurance company or high probability, I should say, of utilization. That, of utilization. Thank you. And so it's going to be priced accordingly, Correct. right? And I also explain that insurance is is just leverage, right? So you might think, so for, for many people, uh, $4,000 a year, for example, or four or 500 bucks a month, um, and, and that's not what all the policies cost, but I'm just gonna use a, 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 a number for a minute. Four or $500 a month is a lot of money, especially if you're doing that year over year into your retirement. Yeah, for 25 right. years. And, you're, and then you transition to retirement and you're on a fixed income, for example. Yes, that's a lot of money, but it's leverage. So you pay, During let's say, would you pay $400 a month for access to, let's call it four hundred thousand dollars. Right. It's, Am I way off? I, the numbers are. are they're not driving. Yeah. Just for illustrative purposes, but it depends on age and health and all that of, of what the actual numbers end up being. But if you explain it that way, like, yeah, you're going to pay yeah. four hundred bucks a month, but you have access to this pool of money that's four hundred thousand dollars, and likely we'll talk about specifics, but likely it goes up with inflation, right? It goes up over time. And if if you need it in the future, so it's leverage. So if you talk, if you explain it in that regard, right. that's not that expensive, right? I always say, right? you know, would you rather pay for it during your working years, or do you want to pay it when you're on a fixed income too? Because again, once you hit the retirement, which is, you know, they they say average age of utilization is around age age eighty two, right? Okay. So if we say at age eighty two, you've already 
15, 17 years into your retirement. Mm. What does your cash flow look like at that point? Then all of a sudden you're going to have to be able to afford twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, out of pocket for yeah. cost of care. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, all right, we have to take a break. We will we'll come back and talk about that a little bit more. I do want to get into some specifics about long term care and. Um, maybe who it's appropriate for in our opinion and and like talk a little bit about designing policies and something that works because it's not one size fits all. Correct. Um, like all insurance policies or most. Um, all right, so we're gonna take a break in a minute. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by Lisa Silva with Gallagher Benefit Services, AJG.com to find out more about, uh, about her and her firm. Uh, we're talking about one of the biggest risks to your financial plan, which is the potentially significant cost of long-term care. Uh, and we're just gonna be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from the scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I told you it's been a little while since I was here in the studio, so <laughs> I'm missing my cues today. I had a I, I had a nice little break, but I am back. Thank you for um, your patience, I guess, for anyone that noticed maybe I wasn't here for a couple of weeks, a few weeks. <laughs> anyway, um, we're talking this morning about one of the biggest risks to your financial plan or to your portfolio. I guess I could really right. say that either way. Um, and that's the potentially significant cost of long-term care as you, for those of uh, us that age and, and live a long life, and hopefully many of us are blessed with that, but sometimes that comes along with just needing assistance, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to an assisted living or, or a nursing home, but a lot of long-term care services are provided in the home, um, but but can be, can be quite um, costly and, and something, you know, and a risk that I f- am responsible for making my clients aware of. Uh, and, you know, some of my clients, I think it's very appropriate for others. I don't, there have right. been times when I said, Nope, this isn't, I don't think this is appropriate for you. I can think of one or two situations where someone actually had it and we talked through it and it actually made sense, um, to not carry it anymore. And that's pretty rare, but, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy to, uh, explain that more, but, um, so I guess I, 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 and I'm sorry, before we go on, my guest this morning, who's been on the show several times, is Lisa Silva with um, Gallagher Benefit Services, formerly Arthur J. Gallagher, and their website is ajg.com. Um, and I, before the show off air, I was saying, uh, asking you, you know, what are you focusing on these days at, at, at Gallagher and, you know. Um, I thought primarily you were doing long-term care and group long-term care. And as you said, it's just, there's nothing going on right now. So can we take a minute to just kind of explain what's happening right now in that world before we get into specifics? About yeah, policies. so it's great. We're going to talk about how great you need long-term care. I know, and you tell can't, people you can't, can't get, get it right it. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. Before we get there, that's right. We have um, a caller, Sharon McNamara. What's going on, Auntie? Hello. How oh, are you? Good. How are you? Good. Well, thank you for letting me call in. I just wanted to promote, uh, we're having a little yard sale over here at Boston Connect Real Estate this morning. Yeah. Uh, we're out here setting up, but it's all for charity. So it's uh, bring a can, pay where you can. So we're asking everybody to bring some non-perishable items. They don't have to be in a can, but uh, that's sort of the, the promo that we're going with. 
Yeah. And when you bring in a non-perishable, we will give you a ticket, and you can go to the items that we have at the yard sale. We have a lot of like great things that I've had from staging and furniture and other oh. household items, all kinds of fun stuff here. Um, but if something is marked, let's say I have a stool from Pottery Barn, we might have it marked for $5. You might be able to say, I can pay a dollar. So we'll <laughs> allow you to do that. So for every item that you bring, you will get a ticket. Uh, all the food um, and everything non-perishable, we're thinking napkins, plates, things like that, too, are really, really needed this time of year. That um, All that is going to go to the Pembroke uh, Firehouse Pantry, food pantry. And we're also putting baskets together for my brother's keeper, which is a great, great organization. So we're hoping that people will be able to come this morning. Awesome. And give out the address where the yard sale is. I know it's at your main office, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we're 19 Mattachusett Street, right um, in Pembroke, right across the street from Stop and Shop, the not Stop and Shop up in North Pembroke, but the one in Pembroke Center. We're right across the street. We'll have balloons and signs and everything else out there. We also have some corn um, cornhole games mm. set up. We'll have popcorn, things for the kids to do. Um, and if you don't want to buy anything at the yard sale but you still want to donate, we'd love to have you. Uh, so come on by. Again, it's 19 Mattachusett Street in Pembroke Center. And uh, just look for the Boston Connect signs. Awesome. Well, you have a great day for it. So I hope yeah. you're, it's well attended. I'm sorry that I cannot attend, but have a great day. Yeah. Good luck. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for letting me break in here. No worries. Take care, Sharon. Right. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Um, we should have uh, made her ask us a question. I know. Oh, yeah. Really That's all right. I have plenty spot. of questions for you, Lisa. <laughs> I, I Don't worry. I have a whole, I have four pages here oh, <laughs> on, my, on my outline. <laughs> I said to Lisa this morning, I said, do you want me to share the outline with you or do you want to be surprised? And she's like, eh, either way. Yeah. <laughs> she's prepared for anything. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, as we were saying, you know, here we're going to talk today about how you know, long-term care insurance, um, I, th I think, can, is quite appropriate in many situations and something that a lot of people should consider, people with assets in particular and to protect and kids that they might want to protect it for, for example. But... <laughs> then we were kind of laughing that it's really hard to actually get an insurance policy right now. And Correct. I actually wasn't privy to that information until you just mentioned it. So can you yeah. elaborate a little bit? So there's kind of two different reasons that it may or may not be easy to get right now. And the first one, um, <clears throat> let's just talk about, is the state of Washington um, recently issued an ordinance that it, it requires a mandatory payroll tax, which is imposed on all employees of roughly like point five, eight percent mm -hmm. um, to help fund a long-term care trust mm -hmm. for the state of uh, Washington. So any resident, any individual that is employed or does business in the state of Washington okay. is required to pay into this program. And it doesn't have any cap. So if you're paying, you know, making $50,000 a year, you're paying that 0.58%. But if you're making $500,000 a year, you're still paying that 0.5%. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the benefit that is furnished to each resident, and there are qualifications in order to, you, you know, um, to the program, but you're entitled to receive a $100 daily benefit for 365 days a year. So, um, in essence, you're creating a pool of money of $36,500. Yeah. And you could be paying into this payroll tax for 20, 30, 40 years, depending upon yeah. how old you how are. Long how long you're in, you yeah. yeah. in the workforce. Um, and ironically, it's only eligible to Washington residents. So you could pay potentially pay into this program for 40 years and then decide you want to retire and move to Wyoming. Oh, interesting. And then you don't get any benefit. Interesting. 
Yeah, and there are qualifications similar to like social security. You have to pay them for a certain number of years. They have to be like five consecutive years. You have to be yeah. working in order to receive it out of the last 10 years. So the, so the benefit you would potentially receive is I was just going to say it's not custom for you. It's the same, it's the ben same benefit, it's the same for, every benefit for everybody. They're just creating they're creating a pool um, of money to help defray some of the federal costs that Medicaid and Medicare are covering at this point. Yeah, well, there, I, I'm I'm not surprised to hear this. There's not like a very no I, M- Medicaid is not a very financially healthy system from what I understand. Not. It's not like well funded. No, and and the and the costs uh, for for Medicaid to the state um, are just going to increase. It doesn't seem like those costs are going down anytime soon in terms of the. No, the, and this was kind of the first step in putting some of the onus yeah. onto the employees. So you know, I mean, a 058 percent payroll tax doesn't you know isn't gonna make you not be able to put food on your table. Yeah. Um, and it's a kind of way to hedge some of the risk. Again, what we're talking about today is risk, right? Yeah. So the state of Washington saw the risk and said, hey, what can we do to help mitigate some of that in the imposition of this tax? Yeah, I, I think that other states will follow. I think they will. But how that relates to the long-term care insurance marketplace is that you can be exempt from this payroll tax as long as you can prove as a resident that you have an existing long-term care insurance policy mm-hmm. that is greater than the risk or the benefit provided under the new state program, which would be that Mm $36,500. So that, in essence, created a run on a long-term care marketplace. So employers were trying to assist their employees to navigate this and saying, hey, the best way to do this is we're going to offer a group long-term care program. Yeah. Um, and then it's voluntary. You can sign up. But if you sign up, then you don't have to pay this payroll tax. And these, you know, this program you can control. Yeah. You have a say over what happens and you can control your benefits. You can control your costs. Correct. Yeah. So that put an enormous amount of pressure on the long-term care providers because right now in the group marketplace, there's probably only three carriers. So you think about Mm. every employer in the state of Washington was trying to get long-term group long-term group care long-term insurance. care for their employees yes and there are some very sizable employers yeah. in Washington um, that you know I have some great contacts within the insurance companies and I went to one to try to get a group quote and they said it's a three-month wait just to get a quote just right now just to get a quote correct yes because they're just now this um, program with Washington takes effect 1 1 Yeah. So the long-term care coverage has to be in force for these individuals by November first. So they're they're running right now. They're all crazy trying to get help everybody get their their contracts in force by the end of this month. Um, Yeah. 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 So that has definitely created some stress on the carriers. The other issue, and and we've talked about this on previous radio shows, is that when long-term care first came out, it was priced inappropriately. Mm. Um, The actuaries made some pretty egregious assumptions that they thought it was going to be very similar to life insurance, which it has proven not to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So they underestimated utilization. Mm -hmm. They underestimated um, persistency. Or they overestimated persistency or lapse ratio. In terms of how many people would drop the policies. Correct, yeah. Um, And what they also didn't account for, which God knows they probably couldn't have, is we're stuck in this low interest rate environment. And we've Mm. been in this low interest rate environment for how many years now? Yeah, so many years. So many years. Um, And most of the people that bought these long-term care policies had 5% compound inflation protection on them. So what that in essence did is it allowed that benefit that they purchased to compound and grow 5% every single year. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great 
as an individual, I think that's awesome. But as an employer or an insurance, insurance. company, yeah. when I'm earning 1% on my money, but I have to pay you 5%, yeah. it's, a, it's a net loss. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and another feature that was offered on previous policies were paid up policies. So you could buy a policy that was paid up in 10 years or a policy that was paid up in 20 mm. years or a policy that was paid up at age 60. Yeah. They don't have. They don't offer those anymore. Does anybody? Not, no, you can't get you them cannot get one. No, yeah. under traditional long-term care, under well, the hybrid right. contracts, which we're going to talk about. Which later. we'll talk about. Yeah. yeah. So you think about it. If I was a forty-year-old person buying a ten-year paid-up policy, my policy is paid up by the time I'm fifty. After that last tenth premium, the contract says that you can never come back to me and ask mm. me for more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, my benefits growing at five percent compounding annually, mm. and you know, the insurance companies just made some really bad assumptions. So do you think by November, December, it'll, things will have normalized a little bit? I think that we'll see some, you know, Until the next state correct, comes out with that tax. On that. But yeah. I think again, this came as not a shock because they did have some time. I just don't mm. think that the insurance companies were ready to to see the influx that they, like, that happened. I'm, ac- I'm actually surprised to hear that because a 0.58% tax on someone that makes $100,000 is 530 bucks a year, right? right? Which is not a lot, but I guess not. the benefit you're getting is it's also not, not a lot. lot. Okay, right, fair. so for that amount, yeah, yeah, I yeah. could potentially buy a group policy mm. and get a much better benefit that I control, that I am the owner of that contract rather than the state of Washington yeah, own, yeah, yeah, owning yeah. that. Right. So, and if you I mean, like if you said, if you move, you move yeah. right, it takes, it takes, you know, I always tell people, you know, they talk about their employer paid benefits or employer given benefits or government benefits. I said, these types of things you want to own yourself because you want to be in control of your own destiny. If mm. your employer decides they want to change their group plan, you have no say in it. Mm. So your insurance benefit could go up or down um, or they could eliminate the program altogether. So it's always okay. best to own, to be in charge of your own destiny. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, And a hundred, like you said, what the state of Washington, what they're offering for that tax is $100 a day, a day. probably not inflated. Or is it, I, they actually, I, oh. All of the articles I read, they were not sure if it adjusted for inflation. Yeah, okay. Um, a hundred bucks a day for 365 days is, yeah, that's just not a lot. You're not right. getting a lot there. But again, I. I I don't pretend to know this, but average cost of care in the state of Massachusetts is about $280 a day. I'm assuming Washington is remarkably less expensive. So mm. maybe their average cost of care is $175 a day. That okay. mitigates half the risk. Yeah, fair and, enough. Yeah. 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 And you think that the average stay in a nursing care facility is 360, uh, 3.8 years. Mm-hmm. So it, again, it's a third of the risk or almost a quarter of the risk. Yeah. And, and, and in the state of Washington, what happens when you run through that benefit? Then you apply I'm for sure. their Medicaid. Then Correct. It's, yeah, just it's just the a same buffer. Thing. It, yeah. yeah. It's just it's allowing the first yeah. out-of-pocket dollar to come from dollars that you as a taxpayer have funded. Versus, yeah. Well, granted, we're all funding all of them. But right. this is one you've directly paid into for this long-term care. Yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't I didn't know, I didn't hear that that was happening. But like I said, I think I think other states will follow. Uh, states have have already started to do... There are some states that have already started encouraging people to take out their own long-term care policies, not by imposing a tax, yes. but the yeah, with the, the partnership. partnership policies. And I forget the specifics of how those work, but like New York State is a partnership state, right? Correct. And what they do is they allow for some considerations. As long as yeah. you can prove that you own a long-term care insurance policy that meets certain criteria, they then cannot come after your home 
when it comes down to or consider that to be an asset right when counting dollar for dollar, dollar they protect Correct. the equity in it or yeah. something like that based on how many dollars you have in your long-term care policy and when i first heard about partnership policies which was 15 years ago or yeah. if not more I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I thought though, I thought more states would move in that direction, but I haven't. That no, hasn't that happened. Hasn't really, no, no, nobody's really jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah. There's like very few partnership states. Yeah, interesting. I thought that was a, well, a great idea. Just encourage people to. But I think that was something that yeah. was imposed on the policies, or you know, the states implemented that made it even more confusing. Mm. So it's already like kind of a gray long term yeah. care is a, a difficult thing to navigate, and yeah. adding that realm to it, I think just added another layer of complexity. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the difference between standalone uh, long-term care insurance policies and the hybrid policies, which are, are hybrid yeah. life and long-term care insurance. I think this okay. is really, really important for people to know. And we might, well, we've got 10 or 12 minutes before the break, but... We could talk about this for hours. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Let, uh, let's just talk about well, first of all, um, standalone. What I, I guess, I, if you have a better word, let me know. But standalone or individual, traditional individual long-term care. Um, yeah. Let's just take one step back and let's talk about okay. the triggering event for long-term care insurance. Okay. So, people understand life insurance. You die, you get a benefit. Disability yeah. insurance. You're unable to work yeah. or perform the material duties of your job. You get a benefit. Yeah. Long-term care is a little bit different. Long-term care says that if you are unable to perform two or more activities of daily living, or represent or have a, a significant cognitive disorder, that's your triggering event. Mm -hmm. And activities of daily living are things such as eating, bathing, transferring, uh, continence, uh, dressing. dressing. I'm totally eating, bathing. I used that to be able to rattle them all five. off. They're like the seven dwarfs. Yeah. Eating, bathing, dressing, continence, toiletting, dressing. Yeah. Transfer and transferring, transferring around transferring, the house. Yeah. yeah. So those. If you are unable to do two or more of those, yeah. then you're eligible for the benefit. Yeah. All right. Okay. So when we go, there are instances, and this is where the hybrid contract really became popular. So when traditional long-term care insurance came out, it was, this was it. It was a long-term care. If you could perform, not perform those activities of daily living, you would start to receive a benefit. Yeah. If God forbid you were hit by the proverbial bus yeah. and you're out walking and you're not walking anymore yeah. and you're dead, um, you could have paid into this long-term care insurance policy and never received a benefit. Right. Kind There's, of like homeowners though, but right. it, it's just a tougher thing because it's more expensive. Yeah. It's a tougher thing to wrap your brain Gen around. Generally no refund of premium, Correct. death benefit, anything like that, unless you sort of pay extra for, for some fancy things. Correct. Yep. So when the traditional marketplace, as people started to examine it more and as years progressed and we saw utilization increase, people started to question, so wait a minute, I'm going to buy this policy and I'm going to pay into it and I might not use it yeah. and my premiums are not guaranteed, which is a big, huge consideration because yeah. traditional long-term care insurance, the rates are fixed, but they're not guaranteed. Meaning yeah. when you buy a product, it's given at a specific rate and it's deemed that that will be your rate going forward. However, each carrier has the right to go to the division of insurance and request an increase in premiums. Yeah. It's, it's an arduous process that takes about two years. So it's not like they're doing yeah. it all the time, yeah. but every single carrier out there has, has gone back it. and increased the rates on their enforced book of business. Yeah. So part of the insurance companies kind of saw that people were hemming and hawing about, you know, I could potentially pay a lot of money into this, never yeah. use it. I, I'm don't, there's no guarantees associated with my premium. Yeah. What happens if I pay into it and I decide I want to walk away? What do I get? And the old policy says you get nothing. Yeah. You walk away. 
So insurance companies took all of these factors into consideration and came up with what they are calling hybrid Mm -hmm. contracts. And what they are in essence are life insurance policies that have long-term care riders built into them. So the beauty of it is, is you're going to use this contract one way or another, whether it be in the form of a death benefit, Mm -hmm. um, long-term care benefits, or each of the policies also has a return of premium built into it. So you can get up to yeah. 80% of all the dollars that you paid into the policy right. after a set number of years. Yeah. And that becomes attractive to people because if you think about it, it's almost like an asset diversification. It's yeah. another pool of money that I could put in, but I know I'm getting at least some of it back. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's hedged a lot of the risk associated with it. Yeah, and I think these are fantastic. Yeah. And I wish that I could get more clients to embrace how fantastic these are. (laughs) But um, yeah, it takes away that people I think have been very hesitant to purchase the traditional long-term care insurance because yes, they're expensive. We've already talked about that. We've talked about why, but yes, uh, they're relatively expensive, um, but but they're use it or lose it. And there's just that, but I could pay. $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 into this, and then I never use it, and it's it's just gone. So, and there's also the elimination period, too. I will tell you that. So, you know, you have to wait 90 days in order to start receiving benefits. And unfortunately, we do see instances, um, I can speak from personal instances where they didn't meet the utilization period. So, you paid into this, and yeah. 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 Um, So, that becomes tricky. And those are kind of barriers to entry when, as a consumer, I'm looking at this saying, well, why would I even do that? Yeah. I mean, I know that the potential risk reward. It could be good at the end, but there's so many factors that could play into it that I get nothing. Yeah. And so the hybrid policies are um, take, they're underwritten as a life insurance policy, right? But a few questions on? There are. Yeah. So um, there are definitely questions on morbidity and a lot of times they require like cognitive, like a quick cognitive telephone interview. Um, So they are underwritten a little bit differently than traditional life insurance because they, again, are looking for different morbidity factors. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if you have muscle or skeletal issues, so for, let's say you have a bad back. Well, they know that over, t- if you have like a chronic back problems, yeah, they know over time, those are probably going to make you unable to perform activities sure. of daily living. So yeah. that becomes a big red flag. For life insurance, it's a no brain. That is a, a moot point. Right. However, matter. for long-term right. care insurance, it definitely impacts your ability to perform those activities. Right. So it's underwritten very differently. Yeah. So, so the hybrid policies... Another thing that's great about those is that because it's a life insurance product, the premiums are guaranteed. Correct. So right. They're and they're, on they're still right there, that right? Allow, yes, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And the beauty of them also is you can structure them to be short pays. So if I want to pay for mm. 10 years and be done with it and by the time, you know, structured so that by the time I retire, I'm finished funding my long-term care, mm. you can do that. Yeah. Which I think makes a lot of sense for a lot right. of people. Can you structure them so that they're life pay though? You can it, structure it. It does obviously... It's a less expensive annual premium. Yeah. Um, you can definitely do life pay. Oh, you can okay. even do a single pay. We have a lot of clients that look at the single pay option yeah. just as a diversification tool. They know that they have access to the funds. Yeah. But you used to be able to get 100% of your money back. Um, over the last few years, we've seen it go up to eight, like go down a little bit to about okay. 80%. Because yeah. the insurance companies, again, they are for-profit organizations. They need, do need to make some money. Yeah. So, so just for illustrative purposes, so let's say someone is interested in this hybrid policy. It seems to me in the quotes that I've seen, like that the, um, or the way I explain it is that there's a death benefit, right? So if you die and never use the long-term care component, there's a death benefit. Let's call it. Um, we always oh. say a million dollars, just say because okay. the numbers work. The nice numbers work. Okay. Yeah. So if there's a million-dollar death benefit, 
there some multiple of that, right? It's usually is, 2%. Okay, is it 2%? 2% of your death benefit. So it's a $20,000 per month long-term care benefit. Oh, and okay. it's for five years. Okay. Or 48 months. It depends on... Each carries a little bit differently, but the way they do the math, it works out. So say that again. So if it's a million-dollar life insurance policy, you have access to roughly... 2%. 2% of that monthly. monthly. So a $20,000 per month, which is $240,000 per year. Per year. Times five years. It's usually like 48 months. So so, the, they, so it almost at the end of the day equals the death benefit. Okay, I was going to say, I thought, I was thinking about it like the total pool of money available for long-term care. I thought that was like some multiple of the death benefit, which I guess it is. You're just explaining as the, the yeah. monthly is a, is a multiple as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I think these make a lot of sense. It, it's the, the, a lot of them I have seen are structured as that, uh, limited pay, like a 10 year pay, which I think does make sense for working professionals where they're approaching Correct. retirement. They're starting to make plans. Um, cash flow is good. I can afford the premiums, but I don't want to have to be burdened by this premium when I'm retired and correct from my portfolio and all that stuff. So I think it's great to be able to structure those as a limited pay and just be done with it. Correct. Whereas with traditional long-term care, that was limited pay was never an option. Well, it was that, in the was very it? beginning. There were 10 pays, oh, 20 pays into age 60. You could pay to oh, age 60. Okay. Yeah. But then they realized, oh, I remember that. um, that's a that's a difficult because we just talked about that. It's tough when I'm 40 and I'm I'm trying to price a product that you're yeah. only going to pay in for 10 years and I have no idea because I've I'm on the hook for 40 years. How am I going yeah. to price that? So um, they eliminated 10 pays because also with the that's short right. pay under the traditional programs, the once your short pay period was up, they couldn't increase your rates, so it put them at risk. Yeah. So the insurance companies didn't yeah. want to offer them anymore. But it's interesting that they'll offer it on a life insurance product. Right. Well, because the life insurance products that they're using or the, what we call the, the chassis for yep. the, the program yeah. um, are all based on guaranteed premiums. So it has to be that way. Yeah. But that's just interesting that they yeah. would even offer it, right? Because they're not offering it over here, but they're offering it over there. Right. So maybe it'll be one of those things where it's offered now and five, 10 years from now, it won't be. Potentially. Just a thought. Yeah. I don't know as if they were to gain in popularity, which I'm not sure if they are, but um, yeah, I think they make a lot of sense for, yeah. you know, b premiums are, are, are guaranteed to never increase, unlike traditional long-term care. Correct. Um, and you will see, um, both from an employee, uh, from an employer perspective for all business owners out there, Yeah. when carriers or brokers come out and talk about long-term care for their employees, the, this, the hybrid is the way that they're going now. Okay. Yeah. So there's companies out there like Mutual of Omaha, Trustmark. They're looking and they're focusing on these type of hybrid contracts okay. as well. And when you buy a group long-term care policy, is it... It's your own policy though. Your certificate it's, holder. Correct. And and it's portable, meaning Fully if portable. you leave, yep. they're all like that? Correct. Okay. I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what there's another word for the hybrid policies, right? Is it... It's different from advanced, no, what accelerated benefit, is that? Yeah, so they have like a different. chronic illness rider, accelerated death benefit rider. Okay, Th those are different though, They're right? the same, oh. it really accomplishes the same. What it does is basically the verbiage for it is we're allowing you to take an advance on your death benefit to yeah. cover your costs of care. So whether it be a chronic illness, so if you read the verbiage in all of the different contracts, because there are several That's different carriers that yeah. offer it, like John yeah. Hancock, Lincoln, Nationwide, they all have these types of products okay. with these riders and they all call it something different, uh, but yeah. in essence, it's That's always, okay. it's accelerating your death benefit. 
Yeah. And to, are those to cover your are those gaining yeah. in popularity? I know you just mentioned on the group side they are, but on the individual side, yes, because people take a look and they see if we look at I always illustrate a traditional product and how that works and looks versus a hybrid product. And most people yeah. like again, the fact that the premiums are guaranteed, the fact that I could short pay it, the fact that it's not a use it or lose it benefit always outweighs. Yeah. But if you're taking out a million dollar policy, you're not talking about short money either. Even if you're taking out a $200,000 policy. No, it's probably, and not, then again, for like a 45-year-old, it's probably $10,000 a year. It's yeah. not inexpensive. No. Okay. Um, but after the break, we're going to talk about designing policies. I do want to get into that because, you know, people will hear, oh, this is, it's expensive. And I'm kind of like, well, uh, there, there's a lot of choices that you can make. There's a lot of different options. And I would rather have someone sit down and try to design something that works for them and their comfort level with a premium than to just sort of write it off. Correct. So let's yeah. get into that a little bit after the break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by Lisa Silva uh, with Gallagher uh, Benefit Services. She knows all about everything in the insurance world, particularly long-term care. Uh, so we're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back.